Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Talk Politics with Emin and Dean. This week, we'll be providing you with political analysis of the latest political issues happening concerning presidential politics. In fact, there are several developing stories. There's the ongoing spat between the sitting Attorney General Jeff Sessions and President Trump. There's the Senate ability to take up health care reform. And there are developments concerning the President's ban on transgenders in the United States military. I hope you enjoy this week's edition of Let's Talk Politics. Let's get straight to the latest political issues. As we enter another week, we're now seeing this White House providing us with even more top political stories uh, that have uh, caused a political firestorm in our nation's capital. Um, So some of the latest developments is there is an internal struggle or battle between the sitting Attorney General Jefferson Beauregard Sessions and the 45th President. Um, um, as, as the week progressed and over into the weekend, we see that the president sent out a number of tweets publicly blasting uh, the sitting attorney general, uh, saying that, and he also gave an interview to the New York Times indicating that had he known that Jeff Sessions was going to recuse himself from the Russia investigation, he would have frankly simply picked someone else. Um, also following up from that, the president accused the Attorney General of not being loyal, being weak on the Hillary Clinton investigation, not doing enough to prosecute leaks coming out of the administration. And this has been a public shaming that has gone on uh, in the public uh, sphere uh, in a way in which, in a, in a way that we've never seen a president talk about a cabinet secretary, particularly the uh, hot, the top law enforcement agency Uh, in the nation. You know, there's an old adage that says there is no honor between thieves. And so um, anyone who follows me know that I'm no fan of Jeff Sessions. And I actually found this to be really, frankly, frankly funny that the sitting president would dog his top law enforcement officer in this manner. So we'll sort of open up with someone. What are are your reactions to the the sitting president's tweets and public statements towards um, the uh, sitting attorney general? I guess my reaction to it is just like every everyone else um, at this point in time. And it's it's kind of like what a lot of people are starting to say. You know, if you're going to fire this man being a about it and actually do it. But I think um, Donald Trump trying to ridicule and and get Just to happen, I think there's a cop out. In my, in my, if you don't want somebody, if you don't want somebody on your administration, you have the power to ask them to leave. Um, so for me, um, and many other Republicans, we kind of see it as a slap in the face because Jeff Sessions really, um, really is, I guess, doing his job as far as the administration is concerned. He's doing as Donald Trump has asked him, and what Donald Trump kind of um, pushed on. comfortable position um in congress like you know <laughs> he was one of those um one of those congressmen or one of those um senators who didn't have anything to worry about uh when it came to being reelected because he was already he he was well loved in the great state of alabama as people would call it um so i think a lot for a lot of republican um a lot of republican 
congressmen, senators, and just people on the on the right right now is kind of like a touchy subject, and it's kind of like a slap in the face to uh, the Republican Party. Period. Um, for the reaction or for the things that Donald Trump is doing to Jeff Sessions. Yeah. So, um, on, on, as one of the things I've followed or I've sort of picked up about this White House is there is always the antics of what's happening, and then there's this, there's an attempt to be uh, politically savvy with it, right? So, what um, I think Trump understands is that if he can force Jeff Sessions to resign or either fire Jeff Sessions during the recess, that the Constitution of the United States empowers him, I think in Article 2, the ability to make a recess appointment. So, as we know, traditional appointments require that the um, president gets the consent of the Senate to confirm an attorney general. However, if the Senate is in, is in full recess, the president can appoint, if a vacancy were to arise, he can appoint anyone without approval of the Senate. And what the recess appointment requires is that before that the person would be in place until the end of the next congressional session or senatorial session. Uh, this would essentially place someone in power, um, I want to say, until 2019. Uh, and it also would allow someone to come in, fire the special counsel. Because one of the things we got to understand is Mueller is not a special prosecutor. He's a special counsel. And so there's a difference. That person could be fired. Um, it could also, call, the person could also fire the second guy, Rosenstein, who's in command at the Justice Department. And this would essentially be a, a, a political a political way to derail the Russia investigation. Now, I do believe that if Trump, Donald Trump were to do this, it would certainly create a political firestorm uh, in Washington. And it would really force some Republicans who supported this administration to really pick sides. And I think it would be political suicide because it looks specifically like the president is actively now attempting to influence the uh, Russian investigation. Now, what is that? That's obstruction of justice, right? Because his main strife with Senator Sessions, well, with the Attorney General Sessions, is not <clears throat> that Sessions is not doing his job. Is that Sessions recused himself from the Russia investigation. Now, anyone who's a member of the Bar Association, anyone who's a, who's a, who's a lawyer, know that given the circumstances surrounding this particular issue, that Sessions had no other choice but to um, well, and, and speaking of that, um, many many um, people on the right, many analysts said the same thing. Whoever Donald Trump pretty much kind of picked um, would have had to recuse themselves from the investigation. Even Giuliani told told Donald Trump that by Jeff Sessions doing that, he did the right thing because he has so much. Um, he had, I guess, so much. Uh, Involvement in the campaign, I guess. Right, correct. So, I mean, you can't get upset at the man for doing his, you know, for doing what he did, especially when Jeff Sessions said it himself before you appointed him. Oh, absolutely. But again, Trump doesn't care about any of that. For the most part, what Trump cares about is specifically the notion of how do I stop the heat on this Russia investigation and of firing or forcing Jeff Sessions out and appointing someone during the recess, during the recess, when the Senate goes in recess, 
that takes the immediate pressure off of that particular investigation. And, 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 and that is where I think uh, Donald Trump is attempting to be politically savvy. The other element about it, now I have absolute I have no no sympathy whatsoever for the racist Beauregard Sessions at all. I think he he's getting his due in terms right. of the way Trump has treated him. But what is also interesting about this notion is this whole idea that Donald Trump is supposed to be this guy who values loyalty. And it looks like his loyalty is as thick as his hair on his head if it doesn't involve saving Trump's own skin. Uh, and, and so it's going to be interesting to see how this play out. Already we see conservative news outlets coming out. Of course they're going to defend uh, Jeff Sessions coming out uh, against the president's public shaming of, uh, of of Jeff Sessions. As they should, I mean, when I, when I think of uh, loyalty, it's hard for me to think of Donald Trump loyalty. I mean, mayor has had two two prior divorces. Clearly, he can't be loyal to his, uh, any of his wives. The man isn't even really loyal to his business um, his business constituent because he's cheated people out of so much um, so much money. The man can't. He you know he's not really uh, how can I say he's not loyal. Um, in terms of a lot of things, I mean, him being a Republican today, he wasn't even a Republican five to six years ago. Um, so he switched parties so many times. So when I think of loyalty, Donald Trump's face just does not come to mind in the in the dictionary. I think uh, I think it would be like the complete opposite for me with that. Right, and I guess and and removing uh, Donald Trump the individual from this and looking more broadly at the institution of the presidency and the executive, uh, we've seen um, previous administrations engage in battles with different agencies, right? There was um, how the, um, the, 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 how power has been decentralized from the executive, given more authority to the State Department and some White Houses. There are some departments where the White House make more and has more influence than a particular than the Secretary of State, and it causes turf battles. What we've not seen is a sitting president to publicly chastise and shame one of his current members of the um, of the department of another agency. And what is also interesting about this is, given that there are investigations with with Russia, um, you would think that the president would attempting to be. Uh, a little more relaxed in how he engaged with certain people who may be in positions of power to defend him at small levels entities, and we don't see that. Um, and so in moving and talking about Jeff Sessions, I also want to do a nice segue into some breaking news that happened last week. We learned that Jared Kushner uh, and Donald Trump Jr. had undisclosed meetings with the Russians. Uh, and he also testified before us of the Senate committee last week uh, behind closed doors. I think that all of these things are now turning points in the investigation about Russia because for the first time we have individuals on record actively attempting to get information that was damaging to Hillary Clinton. And so it sort of takes the investigation from now a speculative element of um, collusion to, okay, now there is causation, right? There's a, a meeting where information is promised 
the person attends the meeting in hopes of getting the information. Now, we can go into a discussion about whether or not they got anything meaningful from those meetings. At this point, it's beside the point, right? Because you mm-hmm. attended a meeting to get information that was damaging on a political opponent from a foreign government or a representative of a foreign government. And I think that that's um, some of the latest breaking news. And I think Donald Trump knows strategically that you need a distraction. Nobody's talking about Jerry Kushner now. We're now right. talking about Jeff Sessions. We're now right. talking about transgender being removed from the military. And so in the back, all of this is still happening in the back of the political circus. Right. But see, I think people don't realize that when I look at everything that happens with Donald Trump as a distraction from something else, um, especially when he he's already down in the polls. He's down in the polls. His his base isn't really um, floating with him right now. And even though you're talking about Jared Kushner, right now you're now driving a wedge into your own base because now you have Republicans who have been Republicans for years and understand and know Jeff Sessions and his conservatism. And then you have your Trump Trump Trumpers. Um, and that's why I always have to kind of remind people you have your conservatives and then you have your Trumpers. And there's two different. There's two different. Um, two different demographics of people. And even though they kind of look alike in certain in certain areas, they all they kind of they split. And this issue with Jeff Sessions is going to be the one that kind of drives a wedge between um, between or within the Republican Party. For one, you have those conservatives who, like I said, been a conservative for years, and they understand. Um, Jeff Sessions and his conservatism and what he's doing uh, for as a conservative. And then you have those people that are Donald Trump supporters that are new to the party or they may not really care about anything that the Republicans have going on. All they care about is the message that Donald Trump is giving. Because many people kind of forget that Donald Trump has a, a demographic of people who, no matter what he does, will always follow him. Point blank, period. So that's a, that that's the underlying issue. That's the underlying thing right there with with the whole Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump situation. Oh, oh, absolutely. And one of the things I think Donald Trump uh, didn't uh, he misunderstood was uh, how loyal Republicans are to Jeff Sessions. Now, I have no reason to defend Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Period. I I, I think I despise Jeff Sessions. Almost more than I do Donald Trump. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think he misunderstood, he underestimated how conservative media would react to him publicly attacking a core conservative. Because again, say what you want to say about J- Jeff Sessions' uh, troubled history sur- surrounding black folk and race. He came from a, a Senate seat where Jeff Sessions could have simply died as the Republican senator from the state of Alabama. Um, hence, that's why, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I oh, was no. saying, hence, that's why. That's why I said he, he, you know, he stepped out on a limb with this administration. Period. To to step into a position, um, to step to a position that wasn't guaranteed in four years. He left a a very comfortable seat. Like this man, like you said, he could have died in that seat. And right, and so. <laughs> And, and, and so, one of the things, this one, Trump, again, and I can't say this enough, is incompetent. Again, here we are six months into the administration. 
you have several political casualties along the way. Let's name them. These are just people I know about who are in high-level positions. There is the National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn. Nobody's talking about Michael Flynn anymore or what mm-hmm. he has or hasn't done. There is the resignation of Sean Spicer, who was the, uh, 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 the press secretary. Now he's attacking uh, Jeff Sessions. Also, the assistant communications director resigned as well. So these are four high-profile positions into this White House where we see the president uh, forcing people out. But again, I think all of this is a political distraction. Um, and, and so, um, would you want to talk about anything else regarding Jeff Sessions? Um, what do you think? Any predictions? Do you think the president will actually have the balls to fire Jeff Sessions during the recess? Well, I don't think I don't think he will have the balls to fire Jeff Sessions right now, especially being that he's probably looking at the news and he's probably looking at Fox. And we all know Donald Trump is a narcissist. So as long as when 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 things aren't going his way and when people are speaking unfavorably towards him, he he um he probably will tend to kind of back off um, in firing him. He probably will continue to attack him. Um, the thing is, is, is Jeff Sessions willing to resign, which I think he's not willing to resign because he, like, like we just said, he gave up a comfortable position in, um, in Alabama um, for this seat. So I feel like he's probably going, if, if anything, he probably will finish out the four years unless something drastic happens or unless he's like, you know, prone to, to just, just resigning. Um, Donald Trump firing him isn't a good look right now. And I, I, I honestly think there's some people in Donald Trump's cabinet right now that's kind of like tugging at him. Like you really don't want to splendor your base because you're already at 39, 45 with, you know, some people say 39 on the left. Some people say 45 on the right. You don't want to split that in half. Because right now, it's not looking good. We're about to go into 2018 um, midterm elections. And the last thing you want is for people to see that you have a destabilized um, you have a destabilized administration, even though we already see that. Um, there was another point that I wanted to touch on as well with this whole particular Jeff Sessions situation. Um, and I guess we'll come back to it because I kind of kind of slipped my mind. I had it in my notes, but... Um, that, this whole situation to me is going to be a, a breaking point for many uh, moderates and conservatives who still link, hang on closely to Donald Trump as the Republican, um, the Republican uh, leader and the Republican figurehead. Oh, so. oh, 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 absolutely. Oh, a- absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, I think that, um, again... I think a lot of this is about antics, right? How one of the things this White House has been inconsistent about uh, sticking to a political message, but they've been mouth. And I guess this could be a segue in us talking about Sean Spicer's resignation and the appointment of the new communication director. This White House has been very inconsistent about sticking to a political message. We're going to set out this particular message, Mr. President. We want you to say that we're focused on creating jobs and we're going to make America great again. And then we get a tweet, and, and, and at the break of dawn, uh, oh, Jeff Sessions is an idiot. Now, the news is no longer talking about the message that the communication team has put together, but they're distracted. And so this White House has been inconsistent about keeping a political message, but they have been political masterminds about how to distract 
from information that reflects negatively upon this particular White House. And yeah. and so I think that this represents that. And so this is a nice segue into um, the resignation of Sean Spicer as the communications director and the appointment of Anthony Scaramucci as the new communications director. But I'm sorry, the resignation is the press secretary. Press secretary. Yeah, press sure. secretary, because Huckabee um, is now the acting. And, and it's kind of funny because... Um, Sean Spicer resigned because of the communication new communications director, if I'm not mistaken. That that has has been the the word in the press when he first resigned. It was because he didn't agree with the decision to bring on the person that, um, that well, the, Donald Trump didn't uh, brought on the person that he wasn't too fond of. And I think it's because Sean Spicer saw, um, you know, uh, Anthony um, Anthony Scamucci as a problem because of his past with uh, the administration of Hillary Clinton and his past tweets, which we kind of saw a little bit of before this whole um, Jeff Sessions and um, transgender issue came about. But it was a little bit of a talking point for many on the on the news where kind of people kind of siphoned through his old tweets and found some unappealing things to what he was saying about Donald Trump. Um, in a negative way, so yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think so. And I and I also understood from some uh, particular um, uh, reporting is that Spicer did not believe that um, Scaramucci was the right person for the job because the person has never worked in communications before, and so that and, and so that Sean Spicer essentially ended up resigning in. Um, it ended up resigning in political protest to the president's decision. Now, the question fundamentally becomes, was there a problem with Sean Spicer? And I think that two issues arise here. One, what the American people need to uh, need to understand, or, or what should be understood, is that when a message comes from behind the podium of the press secretary, that one, we respect that the information we're getting is true and accurate to the best of our, their ability, and that they're providing the American people with facts. And from day one, we saw Sean Spicer create this adversarial relationship with the press. And it was sort of like the press became the enemy of the White House. Information that they were providing was factual, would be factually incorrect. The White House would put it out and defend it. Uh, and so that became problematic. Now, everything else that they would put out, people would look at sort of with a side eye. But I don't think... That the issue, but in particular, was Sean Spicer. The issue is the president. If a fish is rotten, is rotten at the head. Is not the communications team. And even Anthony Scaramucci, uh, he did an interview this morning on New Day with CNN, uh, and it was terrible. He could not answer questions straight. He did not have information to provide, and it became again an issue that was clearly not. That was clearly not um, ready for prime time, or clearly not as factual as it could be with the um, with 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 the, with, with the individuals on television. Well, this is the thing, I, and I always tell people this. Really, I I feel like Excuse Donald me. Trump doesn't even doesn't need a press secretary or a communications director, being that. They say something and he sits and posts it on Twitter or he posts something on Twitter and then they have to come clean it up 
only for him five hours later to come about and say something completely different from what they just put out. And they actually hinted to that with Anthony Scaramucci, um, I think yesterday on at the press, I think it was at the press conference um, that, that they had, well, not yesterday, but the day that he uh, became communications director. They asked him what would he do um, if he gives out information and the president goes back and retracts from it. And he couldn't really answer the question. So to me, when I when I hear people talk about the press secretary and, and, and the communications director, I'm just like, I don't really see a need for it in this particular administration because Donald Trump he pretty much either says what he wants to say or dig his own graves. Usually the purpose of the press secretary is to um, answer the questions on behalf of the president. But when you are the president and you're tweeting, mm-hmm. you're tweeting your, your thoughts, meaning it's nothing that this woman or this man can say to, you know, to back up your claim or help your claim because you pretty much already said it. Right. And, and so uh, having worked in communications before as a communications director, I can I, I can I can I sympathize with a communications team that's not being communicated all the information and someone giving a statement contrary to what represents the organization or what the person who's is a spokesman for the district or area to to represent and that can be very frustrating right I'll never forget working in a job where I I was given information the executive office had a different statement and I went on record providing false information on behalf of this particular institution. And my th- my thing was here, as a communications person, I'm not going to look stupid or foolish. And if I make a grave mistake to come out and say, the organization believe X, X, and X, and I get off the air and I determine that that information is not true, guess what I'm going to do? I'm getting right back on the air. The information that I was provided to, that I provided to you guys was provided to me by X, X, and X. When I gave this particular information out, this is what had been communicated to me. I have now learned since my last interview that this information was factually incorrect, and I want to apologize for this particular mistake. If you have any questions, call the call the executive directly, and you clear that up. But when you get to defending some of these lies that this administration has put has put out, you go down the slippery slope of not having anyone to believe anything that you have to say. And one thing I'll say about it: the press is negative. But they can also be, they 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 can also be make your job a living hell because they can re- they can report and create so much noise that it becomes impossible to govern in an effective manner. So, so with this whole um, portion of of our discussion with the um, resignation of Sean Spicer and the new communications director Anthony Scaramucci. What 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 do you think was the the reason for um, Sean Spicer kind of just exiting so quickly, but still staying within the White House? Well, because that that was a that was a big that was a, a statement that they made. Sean Spicer is resigning from the White House, but he still will be working closely within the White House. Right. I think it's all. Well, I think two things are going on. People. People who are career politicians, who are career bureaucrats, see the writing on the wall with this administration, right? And when Donald Trump is back in Mar-a-Lago and back in, in, in New York at his, at his at his condo, many of these people are going to have political careers that they want to finish. 
I think that Sean Spicer's move became strategic in the sense that he sees it as a sinking ship with very little time left. And by by resigning, um, he's separating himself from the chaos. Now, again, I just shared with you when I was communications director, that was a position I ended up resigning for from six months into the administration because I began to see where it was headed. And I was like, no, when, when doo-doo hits the fan, I don't need to be associated. I right. resigned from the position as communications director, but I stayed on as a communication consultant. So I could do press releases and things like that, but I wasn't the face of it anymore. And I think for Sean Spicer, it's similar to that. Because as I understand it, Sean Spicer has had a distinguished career in media for, for, you know, for a number of different years. What is disheartening? is the notion that many of these people who are working for Donald Trump have zero integrity. They have, as Auntie Maxine was, they have zero credibility. Because right. he would get up and defend the millions of people voted illegally. This was the most heavily attended um, inauguration that we've seen in America's history. You know, those ridiculous things that can be clearly proven false, he would still attempt to defend. So, so those are my thoughts as to why Spicer would would resign uh, so yeah. early. And now that I agree with, and I t- uh, I've spoken of this before, where we always talk about people in the admin- in the administration and top uh, people in the administration not being able to um, and top people in the administration, well, the administration not being able to fill certain positions. I'm like, you have to remember that a lot of people kind of see Donald Trump's, um, they see Donald Trump's administration or Donald Trump period as a, a sore in the, or a sore in a lion's thumb or the thorn in the lion's, in the lion's paw. Nobody wants to kind of attach themselves to this administration because if something happens, uh, like with this Russian investigation, everybody's going, a lot of people's going down with the ship. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You know, Cause, I mean, I'm not I'm not old enough to remember Watergate. I don't. Even, I wasn't. I wasn't even born. When Watergate this, was, this, this was before my time. You know, only <laughs> thing I hear about Watergate is what I hear, and I st- and and right. I understand the nuts and bolts of it. <laughs> Correct. And from what I from what I learned with Watergate is a lot is that Nixon didn't go down, but a lot of people in his administration did. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are looking at this like, yeah, I'm not going to jail. I'm not spending any. Um, I'm not getting a record for it. Any of this, right? And and, and again, I, 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 people are going to look out for their own best interests. When I decided to leave as communication director in the job, and I won't name what job, most of my friends already know. Uh, I I saw where things were headed, and so in seeing where things were headed, uh, I decided that, and this was six months into the administration. In fact, coming up on July thirty first will be where I submitted my resignation, which came as a shock to so many people. Uh, because, right. huh? I'm Sean Spicer. Yes, I jumped <laughs> shipped early. And so I knew that I needed a political, I, I had a future, and lo and behold, things turn out to be a colossal disaster uh, against, um, against, I mean, in terms of confirming what I knew, but again, I think many of these people, I think in the coming days, once this Russia investigation begins to really take on wheels, we're going to see a lot of other people begin to. Um, we're going to see a lot of other people begin to jump ship. 
And so once these people begin to jump ship, it's going to be interesting to really see um, where does this leave the White House? What implications do these um, vacancies have for Donald Trump's administration? Um, how are these people implicated uh, or involved in any wrongdoings or dealings uh, that could be that could potentially bring on criminal investigations or other inquiries uh, regarding uh, this ongoing investigation investigation with Russia? Um, but I go back to the fundamental prince. Uh, I go back to the fundamental. Um, premise that this is an issue not necessarily about um, uh, this is I go back to the fundamental pr principle that the White House doesn't have a communication problem they have a pres we have a president's problem everything that is wrong starts from President Trump and I can agree with um it, it's what it, it is what happens when you allow someone um with no experience in diplomacy to become head of of a democracy. Um, you can't run this government how you run your business. You just can't fire people. You just can't let people go. Sometimes you you know you have you can't have a bunch of yes men in in your vicinity. Some people are, you know, you need to have people that's willing to tell you the truth. Because sometimes the truth is what's best for you. Sometimes you need to hear the truth. Because um, um, people that are are professionals in that realm, um, I feel like this president sur surrounded himself with, besides Jeff Sessions and his history with civil rights uh, issues, I feel like he he was good for the job for Donald Trump. Um, for this administration. I feel like he has the most experience of the whole administration. Everybody else was kind of like novice to, 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 to this um, period, especially when you have Omarosa on your uh, board who has no political experience other than being on The Apprentice. These are political neophytes that are attempting to run one of the greatest countries in the world, and it is turning out to be a colossal disaster. One of my good friends said, I, I, I saw this on Twitter, if you elect a clown, expect a circus. And that is exactly what we're getting. I also want to quote the infamous Professor Kerry Haney of Duke University, where he said, we have a president that's not only dishonest, but he's dumb. And that's a dangerous combination. Very dangerous combination uh, because the level of dishonesty that has come from this particular administration is is appalling. Uh, the other thing I think that, and I've thought about this a long time, I think what has sustained Donald Trump has solely been white privilege. There is no way Barack Obama could have wielded this level of incompetence uh, as the president of the United States and would have remained in political power. That is, it just absolutely would not have happened. And so it's going to be interesting to see in the coming days uh, how does, uh, uh, Anthony Scaramucci does as a communications director. Uh, this morning um, on New Day, Chris Como asked him uh, why did he fire the um, assistant press secretary, assistant communication director. And he said, well, I got an order from someone higher up to uh, fire the assistant communication director. And so Chris Como said, well, did the president tell you to do it? 
I can't answer that question. And so Chris Como said, well, you just promised us you're going to be straight up with us. So now you fired someone. You don't want to tell us the I'm reasons to why you fired the person. Huh? I'm, I'm kind of going with what you're saying. Cause it, and it makes no sense. Because for me, I'm like, there's no no one higher than the president when it comes to firing people out of this administration. So if it wasn't the president, then who was it? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and again, this is what we get. This is what we elected. I think uh, no one would have, you could not have told me that this country would destroy that we would have internal the internal we would we would be destroyed we would be de- we would be dis- we would fall to destruction internally. Well, that is I tell people this all the time. Now, history always repeats itself, and we always find that the greatest nations have always failed because of inside fighting, mm-hmm. and that is for me the biggest issue that we have right now is that we have too much inside fighting. We have a president that's a megalomaniac, which doesn't help it at all. So I always say it's like either it's, it's only a few routes that we can go after this, uh, <laughs> after this particular administration, we're either going to be a stronger democracy or <laughs> we're not going to be a democracy at all. Well, by many uh, political science indicators, um, and particularly in international relations, uh, we rate democracies uh, on what we call a polity score. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm disappointed to report, although not surprised, that America has fallen on the polity scale. We've become less democratic under the Trump regime. Because imagine if we did not have checks on President Trump's power. That would be no news media. Anyone who criticized the president would be subject to direct political attacks and bullying from the White House. Um, so, again, we see this train wreck. We know where it's going to end. It's just a matter of time. And what, what I guess what has me concerned a little bit is will Republicans have the gall to really stand up to President Trump? Well, I, I think a lot of them had the gall, but I think a lot of them have the issue of my base and will I be reelected? Because when you have a president using his pulpit as a bully pit, to tell a sitting congressman of his party that if you don't vote for this or if you don't give a yes, we'll, we'll make sure that you don't get reelected, meaning we will run someone against you in, in the primary. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a big issue. Um, instead of being the person that you said you would be, which is this deal maker, and this person that's supposed to be able to come in and fix stuff, you're not fixing anything. If anything, you're destroying it. You're destroying our democracy even more than 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 what we expected it to do. Mm-hmm. Than what we expected. Um, for me, Donald Trump is a prime example of why you should vet your presidential candidates. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I agree one hundred percent. Um, so then, what were you saying? Go ahead. I was getting ready to transition into sort of the next segment, um, which um, some other breaking news. We see that uh, Senator John McCain was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of brain cancer um, on last week. We know that he um, had been been complaining about being fatigued. He went to the doctor. um, They ended up doing an MRI discovered a tumor, they ended up doing a biopsy the next day, and he was diagnosed with an aggressive form 
a brain cancer. Uh, ironically, as Senator McCain was um, diagnosed with this aggressive form of cancer, the United States Senate was still engaged in, 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 and is until this day still engaged in the healthcare debate. Um, and uh, we see the Senate uh, have they voted to advance debate on health care. Uh, they ended up voting down the two measures designed to repeal Obamacare. And one of the things that was interesting about this is they wanted to vote down repeal Obamacare without even having a clear replacement about what the replacement would look like. It has been a struggle to get senators like Lisa McCaskey or Susan Collins on board um, to support a repeal bill because they come from states uh, that are not extremely conservative, but states that have benefited heavily from the Medicare expansion part of the ACA. Uh, and again, Republicans have campaigned for, and I agree with the president on this, that they've campaigned again for repeal and replace, repeal and replace Obamacare for mm. eight years. Now, however many, well, according to President Trump, 17 years, uh, which we know the ACA hasn't been in place that long. And now, again, Healthcare has become such a big debate and we can't get anything done. And Senator McCain gave a very passionate speech on the floor about taking bipartisan ideas uh, and that we can, they cannot afford to write legislation that's one-sided. But again, we see Mitch McConnell continuing to play loose with the senatorial procedures in the, in the Senate chamber. And now they are now prepared to vote, I think, tomorrow on what they call a skinny repeal. What are your right. thoughts? Um... Uh, everybody kind of knows how I feel about Obamacare. Um, personally, um, I always tell people Obamacare is one of the reasons why uh, my my mother was able to get the surgery that she needed to get in order to live. So when I think of when I hear people talking about Obamacare, it just sickens me because I feel like um, I feel like a lot of people they just they they're giving. It's disheartening to me. Um, and this is a touchy subject for me personally, just because of what has happened in my family personally. But the problem with me that comes with some of the Republicans in in Congress and, and on, on TV is that they kind of all get that one thing, that Republicans had a lot of say-so in Obamacare. Yet, when it came time to vote, they didn't, none of them voted. So all of the stuff that you guys placed into Obamacare that the Democrats and President Obama, who to me I felt was great at doing that because that was his uh, his his top piece of legislation that he made sure passed because he got in there and did it. Um, they took the advice of the Republicans. They fixed the stuff of the Republicans. Yet none of the Republicans voted. But now we're on the other. Now we're eight years later where we have the opportunity to fix it in a bipartisan way again and we're leaving it up to one side of the aisle to fix the situation and when it comes to health care for the american people I, this isn't a partisan issue this is like a bipartisan issue this is where our president again fails and lacks as a as a uh, commander-in-chief because he's refusing to co come from out of the white house Mar-a-Lago, Trump Towers, and come down to Congress and speak and try to get people to work together. That's my biggest issue.
with this whole scenario. And it sickens me that uh, John McCain, Mr. Got quick brain surgery like the next day, can sit here and, and and it flabbergasted me to see him come and and say no or vote yes on that issue. Because I'm like, you sit here and you have the best insurance in this country paid by taxpayers' dollars, but taxpayers aren't aren't given the same opportunity. Why is it that Congress has the best health care healthcare in, in in the America in, in the United States paid for by taxpayers and they refuse to do the same thing for the taxpayers? How about this? How about give us the same insurance you have? Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing with John McCain. If you look at how, take for example, if you and I, I'm a professor, I have really good insurance with my job because I'm a single man. Now, if I had a family, I would have to pay a guap and it would be a big chunk out of my check. I'm sure you as a teacher benefit from that, being single in that regard as well. Now, if we were to go to the doctor and, and complain of fatigue, we would have to schedule an appointment. Mm-hmm. Then if they, they suspected something was wrong with our brain, we would have to wait three or four weeks to get an appointment to see a specialist. The specialist would then have to order an MRI or a CAT scan. We would have to wait to probably a week and a half to get in and get that particular test done. Then they would say, oh, we found the mask and we need to take a biopsy. That's an additional week. And it's probably it would have taken us four to five weeks to receive a diagnosis of the of this aggressive form of cancer. John McCain mm-hmm. went in one day, received an MRI the next day, got a biopsy the next day, and a results in three days. When the average American, it takes several weeks to get there. That is where healthcare is designed to work. And what is also interesting, as I tell people, is really John McCain could give zero Fs about healthcare. One of the reasons is he is wealthy, very wealthy. He married up. His wife is Sydney Hersley McCain, who is chairman of the board at Budweiser's beer. I actually, when I do decide to drink beer, it's Budweiser. And this they're millionaires. So it was disheartening to see John McCain come and allow a debate to advance on an issue where he knows they're attempting to, to, to remove health care from average Americans. And so he, this whole maverick, he's this great bipartisan politician, just, just doesn't fly in the face of what we know about John McCain. Now, the other issue is, I think the healthcare debate is less about healthcare in and of itself and more about who this particular bill is named after and more becomes more about destroying the legacy of Barack Obama. It, it, it's just, it fattens me right now as an American, because I always tell people before I'm a Republican, before I'm any, any political thing, I'm an American. So it disheartens me because I may have pretty good insurance, but somebody else out there doesn't, which is an issue for me. And I'm like, the fact that we're sitting here having a, a whole argument dealing with this, and nobody's like really... Nobody in Washington is really taking the time to look at the the average Joe Blow, who, like you said, if ha- if who, because you don't have kids, but we all know. And I look at um, 
insurance policies all well you know the insurance policy stuff all the time before i have to choose my insurance uh which plan i'm going to go with and the fact that if a if a family of you know two two a family of, of five two parents three kids if they have if they have kids the, the amount of money they have to pay just to um receive benefit the problem with healthcare, in my honest opinion, is that we have allowed the health insurance companies to um, tax out the wazoo, the American people. Everybody's like, it's a Obamacare, so Obamacare is the problem. Obamacare isn't the problem. No matter what, what, um, what we put into place, the insurance companies or these Medicaid companies, what they're going to do is they're going to continue to rise up those prices because if your job is paying for it, it's coming out of your check already. As a teacher, my my, um, my portion for my health insurance comes out of my check before I even get my check. Right. There's like, uh, okay, well, I'm going to get my check and put the $50 to a note. It's coming out before I even get to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And then even too, you know, and one of the things that sort of concerns me is that we're in the middle of this healthcare debate. President Trump did not show any particular leadership on the issue. He did not attempt to say, okay, this is the bill that I want to do. Now, people talked about Barack Obama. Well, one of the things Barack Obama did do, he attempted to bring everybody to the table. He attempted to bring everybody to the table and to engage in the actual debate. And so... That's something Trump did not do. He did not provide any ideas on health care. And even if we're looking in the six-month margin over over um, Donald Trump's uh, presidency, he should have started with something like tax reform or an infrastructure package. He would have forced the Democrats to come on board and agree with him, which, which, have, which, which would have infuriated the Democratic base. But he decided to start with some of the most controversial and difficult political issues to engage in a political debate. And we're seeing the results of that, which is um, which causes which has caused him to get nothing done. If nothing else, John McCain eloquently explained the other day on the Senate floor is that we're getting nothing done and we haven't gotten any damn thing done. Right. We're we're going to be ending. We just started this session. We're probably, it's, this session is probably going to end very quickly, and I, I feel like we're still not going to have anything done for healthcare right. um, at all. And that, for me, that's an issue. You want to repeal something so badly, but you don't have anything in place to counter it. And so, and while I do agree that we are better off with uh, the ACA. Um, there are some issues with it. I have classmates who are well-off middle-class families who talked about how high their premiums have gone. And But the problem is, it would strike me as Republicans and Democrats needs to come together. What can we really do to lower these premiums while at the same time taking care of our most vulnerable individuals and making certain that they have access to health care? And we have had no one who wants to bring that. We're talking about, oh, you have these businesses who can't afford to grow because they have to provide insurance. Well, here's the thing. If you're running a business and you have several people working for you, you need to be providing mm-hmm. insurance to your employees. If you can't, you don't need to be in the business of running the business. Correct. And that's my biggest 
this issue with a lot of these major corporations, especially like Walmart, that that definitely uh, knows how to get around giving their employees health insurance because that does nothing but hurt hurt the taxpayers more because now we're dipping into tax we're, we're dipping into um, taxpayer payer funding to help people who are already working for a big corporation. Right. That's that's the biggest issue, and a lot of corporations are doing it now. Where they'll, we know that you have to have thirty seven hours and over in order to be a full time employee. And once you're a full time employee, you're you're guaranteed benefits. So what they do is they stipend it by giving them thirty six point five or thirty six on the head, so that they aren't considered full time employees. And if they're not considered full time employees, they aren't aren't obligated to giving them benefits. So then these these um people have to look to what going into a Medicaid system mm-hmm. in order to get health insurance? So now you're double dipping because now your your business your your um company is is getting labor from these people and paying them yeah and, but you're not paying them what they need to be paid and then they they have to come to the the gov uh they have to dip into Medicaid on the government side just to get health benefits which is an issue. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that is true. Um, that is absolutely true. But again, and the question becomes, um, how does this play out in the 2018 uh, midterm elections? Uh, because Republicans have been campaigning on this for a long time and now they've been unable to deliver. So we shall see how this plays out. Um, well, we we definitely have the last topic, which is um, the ban on transgenders. And today, this morning, I don't know if I look at the time, but I think it was about around 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning because I rolled out of bed to look at the news and see. Actually, I went on Twitter to see Donald Trump tweeting. As he was tweeting, I was um, on Twitter. And it was crazy because um, we have many transgender people that are Amer- that are American veterans and that work in the military right now. And, and it was kind of disheartening to hear or see our president tweet stating that um, transgenders are pretty much not allowed in the military at this point in time. Um, and the question has become... Uh, so being that we're no longer allowing transgenders in the military, what's going to happen to the ones that's already there? Because there's all we've, we've seen with, since uh, the don't ask, don't tell policy has been repealed, a growing number of LGBT people enter into the military, specifically um, um, gays and lesbians. And sometimes when they get in, they decide to go in transition. So, what was your what is your feeling about this whole transgender situation that we're seeing come about? Regardless to what people views are on homosexuality or the LGBT community, I think it should concern all Americans that the president has decided to place a ban on transgender individuals who serve in the US military for a number of different reasons. You're now turning you're now actively discriminating against the entire protected class of individuals in the military. 
Now, also, you got to think about the development of the military over time, right? There went we went from no blacks allowed to serve in uh, war zones to blacks being allowed to serve, having a desegregated military. Now, the president has issued this out. Again, this is a political stunt by the president to keep fire off everything that's going on. And I think it's incumbent that people understand that while Trump is picking on the um, uh, transgenders today, it could be any of us tomorrow. And so I think that that becomes very important to understand. Uh, this president has proven, and, 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 and also I saw a breaking news story on in the Hill, which was saying that I think the department spent 84, I want to get the number right. They spent several million dollars on um, Viagra, Correct. Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, I saw those numbers too, and I think my only issue is is now that you have people on, on the at Fox and and these trolls are starting to repeat the same stuff over and over about why should we pay for um, their trend their pay for their uh, operation, but I'm like nobody's paying for their operation. The only thing we're doing is paying for their health care. Which every um, American citizen, uh, you know, which every uh, veteran and, and military person gets, which is, you know, which is adequate health care. I don't see anybody speaking about the health care that's given to prisoners in prison and for free. These are people that are serving our country. And you mean to tell me that they're not good enough to serve, serve the country because you don't like their lifestyle? That is an issue for me because anybody that's willing to volunteer and put their lives on the line every day should be given that right um, to free to, to health care and should be given the opportunity to, to serve in the military. Um, this whole to me, this whole tweet storm that he did this morning, I felt like was a was a jab at the jab at, the, at LGBT people. And it was a reason for the base to kind of get back to kind of jump back on his on his side because we know a lot of his base are anti are anti-Semitic, are anti-LGBT, and a lot of them are anti-cult. So anything where he kind of attacks those groups, it gets his base in the up, you know, in the uproar and gets them to uh gets them back, gets them rowdy again. So oh, absolutely. I, I hate this issue. I hate that he particularly did this. Another thing for me, or another issue that I had with this as well, is that he specifically tweeted it without having any type of regard for his, um, for the Department of Defense, for the generals who had just told him not too long ago that they're going to need more time in order to actually come up with a plan. Because this plan had been in, in place or, or was being worked on under the Obama administration, from what I was reading in one of the um, CNN, CNN um, one of the CNN posts today, that the Obama administration had already been working on it for a year. And with the transition happening, the generals that he chose had already told him, "There's this is already on the table. We need we're going to need a little more time to even decide what we're going to do about the transgender situation." So for you to tweet that. that it gives it, it shows your regard for your for for your for the Department of Defense for the people that you that you surround yourself as the generals, which well, is zero. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And now this is a president now who did who did everything in his power to avoid military service uh, to this country that one could possibly do. But that's neither here nor there. This is um, this is turning out to like you said, this is turning out to be a a circus. Um, I tell people all the time, every time I turn, you know, every time I turn on the TV, whether it's early in the morning, whether it's in the middle of the afternoon, whether it's at night, there's always some type of breaking news. Right. And it's ne it's not good because a lot of the times the breaking news is is as divisive as it comes and it continues to split our country. This everything that's happened this week has the has started to split our country even more from where it already is. It's, it's, it's bad enough that you can't even go on Twitter and talk about certain issues without being attacked by people. Um, this transgender issue, the healthcare um, issue, they're both, is they're both issues that, that, need to be, that need to be handled in a bipartisan way. At some point in time, people have to realize that just because I have the majority doesn't mean that that gives me the right to push something down people's throats. Right. Um, pushing things down people's throats is only going to make people bitter and dislike uh, dislike your party. Um, we saw some of that under that Obama administration. We're definitely seeing that now. Um, just the whole LGBTQ issue, period gets people in America to fussing and fighting. Uh, I, besides LGBTQ issues and race, those two issues probably won't go away anytime soon. But the thing that we have to learn how to do is we have to learn how to kind of mend, mend the country together and get people to understand that you may not like what this person is doing or you may not like this certain group of people, but at the end of the day, we're all Americans. And at the end of the day, people are... Um, people should be allowed to live their lives the way that they want to live them. Right. Because I don't, you know, whether it's the, the Confederate flag, whether it's the LGBT flag, whether it's the, um, you know, you know, just whether people want to be married to a male or a female, that's not my, my, my uh, priority to actually come up and tell the person that they're wrong. If that's as long as it's not hurting me or not hurting anyone else, go for it. Right. Absolutely. So I think this brings us to the end of our segment this week. We would like to thank you guys for tuning in. We will certainly be back on next week because we know this administration is going to continue to provide us with political news and so that we can provide updates to you guys. All right. Thanks, guys, and have a great evening. So...